Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of Revolution Recap. An interesting week as the Revolution did not play on the weekend. It was an international friendly weekend and the Revolution had it off. It did play on Wednesday and got kind of a shocking result with a one nothing victory over New York City FC on the road. Uh, New York City FC had not lost a home game all season. Uh, so this was a big win for the Revolution. I think both of us, uh, and Greg Johnson is joining me today, I think both of us last week didn't have much faith in the Revolution getting anything out of this game. So for them to come away with, with three points was pretty huge. Uh, but it was interesting how the game played out. You know, As we noted last week, uh, Luis Caicedo suspended for this one. Um, so Brad Friedel kind of went with an interesting lineup decision, uh, sort of playing three defensive midfielders in, in, in the middle with Sahibo, Machado, and Caldwell. Uh, Rowe got back into the lineup and, and started as one of the, the wingers with Wright and, and Pania. Um, it, and of course, right getting the start with uh, Bunbury, um, not 100% apparently for this game. So it was a, a kind of a defensive-minded lineup that we saw out there. Um, but, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll jump right in and, and, and talk about it. The, the goal was scored by Brian Wright um, off a rebound of some great build-up play that was started by Andrew Farrell. And I believe Fagundes passed it to Pania, who had a great shot, and uh, Wright finished up the rebound. But um, <laughs> the first half of this game really played out the way you would have expected it. Uh, when I saw this lineup... Certainly, I haven't been impressed with the little we've seen of Machado this year. Uh, you've heard my thoughts on Zahibo in other episodes. Um, and it, it kind of played out the way I expected it to. Machado looked really poor in this one, uh, got beaten early. Um, you know, he had to get that yellow card. There were multiple times where he you know, tried to commit fouls to, to stop guys that he couldn't keep up with and, and didn't, especially early on. Um, he was pulled at halftime, unsurprisingly, based on that performance. Uh, Zahibo, his, his passing, I think, was a bit off in this game. Um, he got lost. He lost his mark a couple times on set pieces. The Revolution, in general, were losing their marks on set pieces. This looked like a classic Revolution performance from this year, uh, in which they were going to fall down to, to New York City FC, as you all expected. But you know, somehow, New York City FC blew breakaways. They blew three-on-ones. They blew open set pieces, and they couldn't score um, in the first half. And then the second half, I thought the Revolution played a bit better, especially after... Uh, Brad Friedel started making some substitutions, brought on Diego Fagundes for Machado, eventually brought on Aguadelo for Zahibo, um, and Brian Wright scored that goal. But I do want to jump right in. What were your thoughts on the performances of both Machado and Zahibo? Uh, filling in for Luis Caicedo, who's been one of the, the Rose better performers, performers this game, but obviously out with suspension this time. Yeah, and, and you know I, I don't want to beat a dead horse too much because you mentioned we've talked about Zahibo before and how he seems to um, kind of miss some markers too. I, I think for Zahibo... Um, I, I think the quality is there and, and I don't want to hammer him too much too. Cause I think I saw on Twitter too, he, he had a bit of a hamstring issue when he was coming off. So, I mean, that might explain a bit of it, but it seems like a theme all year long where he's kind of been tracking back on defense a little bit slowly. He loses markers on uh, set pieces slowly, which is a big thing for him because you, you know, with his size, he's someone that you expect would, you know, be, be a candidate to, to, you know, head away balls and, and guard set piece as well. So, um, Zahibo, we, we kind of saw a little bit more of the same from him. I, I think at this point in the season, we kind of know what to expect from him, from Zahibo. And, um, you know, it, it, 
it's okay. It's, it's, you know, you, you kind of expect a little bit better from a big signing that you expected to be kind of a force uh, in the defensive midfield. Um, Machado too. And again, I, anyone who's listened to the past few weeks knows my thoughts on Machado. Um, I haven't, I wasn't really impressed with the uh, highlights I saw of him uh, coming into uh, when, when the revolution signed him. Um, we've now seen him two starts. I know, one start with about 60 to 65 minutes, and this was only one half. Um, but Machado doesn't seem to be a starting uh, MLS defensive midfielder. And we'll, we'll get into uh, the second half and, and what we saw in the kids from the second half. But I don't understand uh, a single reason to why Christian Machado will get minutes on this team and Isaac Anking doesn't, uh, or Zachary Haravu doesn't. Um, I, I think I've kind of seen enough of Machado that you know he, he might be a guy that can come off the bench and provide depth. Uh, but from what we've seen of him playing in the midfield, I have not been impressed at all. And, uh, you know, un- unfortunately, the first half of this game, we kind of saw a little bit more of the same. Uh, he, he didn't really um, provide a lot of value. He got a yellow card. He had a pass percentage of 54%. He seemed really slow. Um, he, he just doesn't seem to be a person that I think should fit into this revolution lineup. That, that's kind of my takeaway on both of those two. Yeah, and, and my, and, uh, you know, for Zahibo, you know, not to hammer home too much but I, I the big thing as you mentioned is him tracking run, runners and um i think paul mariner called it out several times in the games the revolution were lack or were struggling to track runners and zahibo certainly was part of that there was a, a three-on-one break at one point in the first half in which you know zahibo was just jogging back in which he could have you know covered one of those men um and revolution very lucky that new york city fc didn't squad on that chance there was the breakaway earlier too um there was a chance early where machado uh got beat tried tried to foul matarita and couldn't um, which is pretty pretty poor play there, and then uh, almost led to an own goal where I think Mancien deflected it off the crossbar on just like the fifth minute of the game. So, uh, but you know, as far as Machado goes, I, I agree with you 100%. The speed of play is just too slow for this league. Um, not just the speed of play either, his actual pace. You know, he he was getting burned all day long, and you know, the few times he had the ball at his feet, you know, had one blatant turnover that led to a, a great chance, and that's where he got that yellow card and. Um, I think the, the Revolution were, were lucky that they called that foul uh, because it looked like the New York City FC could have potentially had a breakaway there. But, but Machado, lucky that the foul got called, and that's where he got the yellow. Um, but, you know, I, I'm with you. I just don't see what he's done to, to earn more minutes. Um, again, yes, he's only been on the team, you know, a, a month or so now. But I, I, I just don't see what he adds and what value adds to this team. He doesn't seem ready to, to be playing in MLS. And um, I'd be a bit surprised if he's back next year. But, you know, it, it is still early. But a guy, a guy who's, you know, a veteran like him, you'd hope would, would step up and be more ready to, to play in the MLS pace of play because he just hasn't been. And one more thing I'll note too, and it's not that we have a long window with Machado. Machado is already 28. He's older than most of the players on this team. Uh, Scott Caldwell is 27. I believe Haribo is 22 and Isaac Anking is 18. So there is depth in the midfield, specifically at the defensive midfield. And Machado is the oldest of the options. So this isn't really a situation where it's give him minutes and let him come along. I think this is the this is it. This is what we're getting from Machado. And he just doesn't seem to fit in. Maybe, maybe with more time with the team, maybe he will get more acclimated and play a little bit better. But I, he hasn't come in. You know, Ben Sienna has come in and seemed to have made an immediate impact. Um, you know, we've seen players come in like Jermaine Jones and immediately make an impact. And the fact that we're seeing Machado uh, kind of struggle, it leads me to believe that he is a depth piece that he he's going to flutter between the 18 and outside of the 18. That's my impression of him. Yeah, fr- frankly, I thought he was the worst guy on the field um, on Wednesday. Um, he's, and he's two for two 
on worst guy, worst guy on the field in in two games he's played. Yeah. I'm going to throw that because he did not impress at all during Philadelphia game. No, I'm, I'm with you, but you know there were plenty of guys that did put in good performances, and one guy I definitely want to talk about was was Brian Wright, um, who hasn't had many opportunities to to show his skills this year. I think he played what 72 minutes in this one, which has equaled his minutes total for the entire season before that. Um, but he got the got, obviously got the goal. Uh, he had a, he had a chance that they finished earlier that was offsides. He had another effort that went off the the both posts. And just in general, you know, going back and rewatching this game, I was really impressed with the effort he put in. Um, you know, even when chances weren't being created, he was really physical with the New York City FC defenders. You know, the Revolution didn't have a lot of opportunities to attack in this one, but it was it was clear that Brian Wright was kind of putting a beating on those center backs of New York City FC and those fullbacks of New York City FC and, and and wearing them down. So when he did have that one opportunity, you know, he was in a great position to finish. Um, you know, when I saw this lineup, I was you know, not you know particularly uh, not particularly hopeful for the Revolution's chances. Um, particularly given Brian Wright getting the start and what little we've seen from him. But I, I don't know about you, but I thought he was really impressive in this one beyond just the goal he scored. I, I agree with you too. And, I, and I'm, you know, we talked in previous episodes, whether or not the revolution could, should rotate some players and see some young guys. I know we uh, had a question last week from any revs UK who said, you know, surely we should be seeing guys like Anking and Wright. And he, he was absolutely right. We should, you know, they, they played him and they seem to have fit in pretty well. So I, it's good to have that, uh, context to see what we can get from these players and brian wright i think too is the person that benefits the most from this you know we, we typically see him for five to ten minutes at the end of the game uh the, you know and last week we got to see him for a full 70 minutes uh so um i i think that really benefited from him i think he showed off what he can do i don't think he's going to create a lot of chances um, but he seems to be someone that can finish uh, really well uh, the revs didn't get a lot of chances Last week, but uh, he had his goal where he showed off some great reflexes. Um, you know, I, I don't think Teal Bunbury is able to, you know, get that on goal. Uh, I, that was a, a, you know, goal scorer's goal. I'll say it, it was a good reaction time from Brian Wright. So I'll, I'll give him points for that one. And then the other uh, uh, chance the Revolution had was in the first half when uh, he had that shot that was rocketed off of the post. Um, so we saw a lot from Brian Wright yesterday. Um, as I say, I think he is in an offense that will, um, if he's able to get good service, uh, he'll be able to finish some shots. Um, and I, I think I have a lot more faith in him than I than before this game. So um, now, Sean, the, the question that comes up, too, is that whether or not the Revolution should continue playing Brian Wright or go with Teal Bunbury. I think that was actually a question we got on Twitter from uh, Zach Grimes. He says, will we benefit from starting Wright the rest of the season, or should we stick with Steele despite his recent uh, lack of production? Uh, are you Team Teal, or are you Team Brian at this point? So I, my, in my opinion, the stock of Brian Wright has certainly risen a lot, and I think he's earned a lot more minutes down the stretch. Do I think the Revolution in general have a better chance to win with Brian Wright in the field than Till Bunbury? No. Um, do I think that Brian Wright is capable of being a better striker than Till Bunbury, even you know, thinking about his potential? Probably not. Uh, what I do think Brian Wright is, is he's proven that he deserves more minutes. Um, I think if Teal Bunbury is not 100%, you, you certainly give him another start. Uh, if Teal Bunbury is 100%, I think you have to be much more ready to bring Brian Wright off the bench to, to give him more opportunities. Um, you know, Long term, is Brian Wright the, the revolution solution up top? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe he can prove me wrong and continue to, to impress like he did in this game. But uh, you know, I, I think he's potentially the Revs' number two striker off the bench, which would, you know, is a great improvement from what we thought of him earlier in the year. Um, and this was certainly a good game. But you know, based on this one game, do I think he's the, the Revolution's best option up top? Not yet. 
Yeah, and, and another thing too, I, I don't think it was a flawless performance by Wright either. I, I agree with everything you said. I think he, you know, is this an MLS starter that we're expecting 10 to 12 to 15 goals from every season? I, I wouldn't go that far, but he certainly showed flashes of potential. He was a first round pick uh, by the Revolution a few years ago. He had a very good preseason when he came in, um, but he still did have uh, four poor touches according to who scored. Um, I don't think he is going to have as much speed as Teal Bunbury brings, um, and I don't know if he really fits the team like Teal Bunbury does. So if the question is, um, you know, the Revolution need to win a game, you know, who who would you rather have, a, a Teal Bunbury at 100% or Brian Wright? I, w- I would have Teal Bunbury at this point. But as you said, if, if Teal Bunbury has that uh, hamstring issue uh, and you want to ease him back and maybe give him minutes off the bench like you did with Juan Agadello earlier in the season when Christian Namath was playing 60 to 65 minutes and then they bring on Juan for the last 30, I- I'd be okay with that. You know, Teal Bunbury came off the bench in one game this season and he, he had a made a really, really good impact. Um, I think he's very, very dangerous where he can use his speed and kind of beat some defenders that have tired legs. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if, or I wouldn't be opposed to uh, a system where you play Brian Wright 60 to 65 minutes and then uh, Teal Bunbury coming back from injury, you give him 30, 35 minutes to shine and make an impact. I I think that would be a a pretty good strategy going forward so you can kind of uh, build Teal Bunbury back up to full health. And I also think it would be interesting to see the two of them up top together. I don't think we'll ever see that with Brad Friedel, but if they ever were to play two strikers up top, um, I'd be curious to see a guy like Brian Wright, who I think Brad Friedel after the game said is the best pure finisher on the team. Uh, and yeah, he, he does seem like he's a pretty good finisher with the chances that he, he took in this game. Um, but yeah, he, he's not going to create his own chances. Um, he But the two of them up top together, I think there's a potential there that that could work if, if Friedel would ever you know change the system and play two strikers. I just don't think we're ever going to get to see that. No, I, I fully agree with everything you said there. And I agree. I, I also think, too, uh, Brad Friedel is correct that Brian Wright is probably the best finisher on this team. I will say that. Yeah, and, and let's talk about some of the other guys, too, that kind of – you mentioned Isaac Anking. I want to get to him. You know, the 18-year-old came on in the 70th minute, and I thought he you know really had a, a good impact coming on for Brian Wright. He hit the post, too. Um, you know, Again, as an 18-year-old that we've never seen, I didn't have high expectations that he'd come in and wow in this game, and he you know far exceeded what I was expecting. Uh, 78% passing in his limited minutes, uh, you know, got that great chance. He was winning headers defensively, you know, really had an impact on this team in his, in his debut. Um, you know, I think he's another guy that's earned certainly earned more minutes going forward. And I agree with everything you said there. I think one of the benefits too of, uh, you know, I shouldn't say benefits, but you, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, the, the playoff chances are dimming for the revolution and, you know, it's good to see these young kids get some minutes. Um, and we've heard a lot about Isaac Anking, and I did not expect him to make the uh, impact he did in 20 plus minutes. Um, you had that stat. I don't have that stat, uh, on me right now, but Sean, you had a stat on Twitter about um, aerials one, and it seemed like the revolution won a lot more once Anking come on, came on. Um, you know, Anking did bring a lot of energy. He won two aerials. He had a key pass. He had a shot off of the post. Um, he did a lot more in 20 minutes than we've seen from you know guys like Juan Agadello all season. Um, you know, he he only had 12 touches, so you can't really place a lot of emphasis on this small sample size but for an 18 year old I was very impressed with um, his ability to make an impact on the game to control the ball Um, there was one nice play he had where he 
kind of received a long ball and he kind of left it off for Diego Fagundes and he, he kind of put a nice little touch on it. Um, he seemed to really, really gel with this team and he seems to be a lot further along than um, other players uh, who are, you know, four or five years older. Um, like I've seen, I, we've seen a lot more out of Isaac Anking than I think we've seen out of Zach Haribo, who was apparently the uh, backup number 10 at the beginning of the season behind Diego Fagundes. So um, I think, uh, I don't know if we're going to see him start games. I don't know if we're going to see him um, get a lot of uh, serious minutes, uh, but, you know, I, I think, you know, we talk about Brad Friedel. Is there a third guy off the bench he trusts? Um, I was really impressed with Isaac Anking, and I hope he is that third sub that comes off uh, of the bench because um, I think giving him some minutes, even if it's 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, um, I'd like to see a lot more of him. Uh, I want to see him get some minutes. And I want to see him develop with some uh, real game experience because I, I think going forward, this is a guy the Revolution are going to want on their team, uh, you know, two, three, four years from now when he's uh, entering his 20s. Yeah, and, and two other guys that I wanted to get to, and you mentioned Diego Fagundes and, and backup number 10s. Well, Fagundes was the backup number 10 in this one. Um, we saw him get subbed at halftime in the previous game, and he didn't start this game and then came on at the half. Um, what do you make out of that, and do you think you know his performance in this game earned him more minutes in the next game? So I'm actually going to take a bit of a uh, – because I, I think the consensus is that, well, he got pulled from halftime last game. Um, Brad Friedel was not very happy with his performance last game. He even said so on the broadcast. And then he's benched for this game. Um, I, I think this was actually Brad Friedel kind of managing his players a little bit. Um, I, I think, you know, with a smaller, tighter field, um, I think he kind of wanted to kind of play defensively and then bring on Juan Agadello and Diego Fagundes in the second half and, and kind of give them fresh legs and kind of create a chance. So kind of you want to kind of keep it 0-0 zero, zero, and then bring on Diego Fagundes later on in the game. Um, I, I think that might have been a bit of strategy. It wasn't necessarily a bit of discipline. Um, I, I do think, too, that the Revolution's first half caused a lot of concern to the point where they needed to bring on Diego Fagundes probably earlier than they were expecting. Um, so I, I don't think this is a matter of Diego Fagundes being um, benched long-term. I, I expect him to be playing the number 10 role, um, but I think they saw it as an opportunity to get Kellen Rose some minutes after he played um, pretty well against Portland. Uh, in our opinion, I think some people weren't actually impressed with Kellen Rowe. I think that's a bit of a, a hot topic on um, uh, on Twitter. Some people are still not impressed with Kellen Rowe, but uh, I think uh, Friel wanted to give Rowe the start, see what he can do, uh, and then bring on Fagundes when you need another uh, passer uh, late in the game when you need to push up and, and get a second goal. Yeah, to me, this was all about form. I think, you know, as you mentioned, Friel's comments after the last game, um, you could read between the lines and, and you know, decide he wasn't happy with what Diego Fagundes uh, had been doing the past few weeks. And I think Fagundes had had a drop off in form. And Callum Rowe, you know, despite, as you said, some people not agreeing with us, that I thought Callum Rowe has been playing better as of late. So it, to me, it, this was purely, you know, Fagundes hasn't been playing well, Rowe has. And for the first time all season, we saw Brad Friedel bench his number 10. Um, but I did think Diego Fagundes came out on in the second half and played really well, and I think he'll go right back into that role. Um, maybe this was like the kickstart he needed to to get back going because I, I do think his form had dropped a bit recently. Um, but he played really well in this game and helped set up the goal. So I, you know I expect to see more from him. But it was interesting that you know the one guy that Brad Friedel has seemed to be you know extremely loyal to all season and put all of his faith in finally um, in these past two games it seems like the, the faith has been lost uh, a little bit. Um, and the, the last position that I know I'm sure you want to talk about is the goalkeeper change with, uh, Brad Knighton coming in for, for Matt Turner. Uh, what did you make of that move and what did you think of Brad Knighton's performance? Yeah, this is a little too soon for me, Sean. Um, you know, we've said all along, Brad Knighton is a, a, a good goalkeeper. I'm not taking that away from him. He's, you certainly know what you're going to get from Brad Knighton. Um, he played 
pretty well. Um, and I think, you know, Matt Turner has been shaky as of late. Uh, I still think that long-term this is Matt Turner's team. Um, but I think, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying not to read too much into it. Maybe I'm just being optimistic and I'm, I'm still trying to uh, ride the Turner train. Um, but uh, I, Brad Knighton is 33. I, I'm not sure how many more years we're going to get out of him. I think Matt Turner is your goalkeeper next season. Uh, I think this is just a spot start where Brad Knighton is the veteran and they knew that NY, NYCFC is, is going to come at them. Uh, and I think they wanted to go with kind of a more of a stable veteran to, uh, you know, stop some shots. And, and it was the right call to make. I think Brad Knighton made the correct call and starting Knighton, they needed a, a win. Uh, really, I, I think everyone would have taken a draw. Uh, but to get a, you know, to keep a clean sheet, that might have, you can you can say that was uh, NYCFC's uh, poor finishing uh, and, and not making the most of their chances. And you'd be correct on that too. But Brad Knighton certainly had, uh, some big saves and some uh, big moments. I will say towards the end of the game there, he gave me a bit of a mini stroke um, on that kind of floating ball where he came running out and he he tried punching for it. And I think David Villa uh, crossed it back across goal uh, before the revolution cleared. And I think it was called offsides. Um, but uh, Brad, that, that was really the only flat, you know big mistake that I can remember off the top of my head where uh, Brad Knight looked a little shaky. Yeah, I can't recall if that was called offsides or if they said it crossed the line, but that was, <laughs> I, I went on there. That was a, a scary moment in which... You know, Knighton, if you're going to go for that ball, you have to get it coming out of the goal like that. Um, but I, I agree with you. I thought Knighton had a very good game uh, overall. I, you know, we talked about it before how, you know, if you're going to replace Matt Turner, that you know, Knighton really isn't your long-term solution. Um, and, you know, I was a bit surprised to see him start this game, but it worked out. He played really well. My my one, uh, you know, and I talked about this on Twitter, the one thing with, with Brad Knighton is the distribution is definitely going to be down from what you saw um, with Matt Turner. And, and the stats show that um, it was – weird on the broadcast hearing them talk about how good brad knighton is with the ball at his feet and then shortly afterwards seeing him uh get get the ball at his feet and immediately pass it to a new york city fc player right right in front of right up right up the field the revolution were lucky didn't develop into to more of a chance um to be fair playing at yankee stadium with that narrow field is never good for any goalkeeper's distribution ability um you know you can certainly take take away something from his poor performance distribution wise uh, based on you know where he was playing but um that's one thing to watch because you know last year and the years before watching Knighton and Shuttleworth um both of whom I don't think are very good distributors uh you know was something that was frustrating to see and then Matt Turner came in and that was you know one area where he certainly helped the team improve and, and to some extent that might have been Brad Friedel's style too of you know trying to keep possession from the goalkeeper playing a little bit shorter uh but we certainly didn't see that from Brad Knighton um with that said do you think Brad Knighton you know gets to start next week with that performance I think I think Brad Knighton is going to be starting until the Revolution's playoffs hope are next to Nero uh, next to I'm sorry next to zero um I, I think uh he had a good performance and I think he's earned another start I think that's how Brad Friedel is going to view it uh, and you know what I I think at this moment in time you know, I know the Revolution's playoff chances are what ten to fifteen percent. I think based on the models you were you were tweeting out, um, I think you need every point you can get, uh, and I think right now your most stable keeper is Brad Knighton, and I think they are playing for this year. So I, I think Brad Knighton is the goalkeeper uh, until, as I say, they they drop a couple of results and they're out of the playoff picture. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you know until either they 
are completely out of the playoff picture or until Knighton has a, a stinker out there. Uh, I expect the, the starting spot to be his. Uh, I think the playoff playoff chances, we'll get to that in a second. I think they've actually gone up to 17 or 18%. So there's a slightly more hope for, for, the, for the revolution now. Um, but before we talk about that, I did actually want to talk about one other spot. What did you think of the uh, the center pack pairing in this game between Annie Baba and Mansi? And we, you know, we talked about before whether it was going to be De, De La Mayo or Annie Baba. But I thought the two of them, you know, with the exception of their passing percentages, which were pretty, pretty horrible, um, actually played pretty well. And I think more of the, the blame on the chances that the Red Bulls had could come on set piece defending and, you know, from Machado and, and Zahibo with a, with a few exceptions. Yeah. And, and uh, I'll, before I get to my answer, I, I want to say there was one other big shaky issue, which was the J- Jaleel Anibaba uh, near handball uh, where he, the NYCFC takes a shot and it looks like his hand is above his head uh, and deflects off of his hand. That easily could have been called a handball. And I think the revolution got away with one on that play. Um, they they got away the, from a few, th- with a few things in this yeah. game, such as Zahibo shoving a guy in the throat on a, on a yeah, corner kick well, and, and not I, even getting called for it. I think they did VAR too, and they didn't call it. So they actually did look at it, and they they decided it wasn't. But it very easily could have been called. Um, the other thing too is, you know, we talk about set piece defending. Uh, that that one corner kick where there was the, I think it was Sands, it was just wide open in the box, and he headed it over the bar. Um, you know, I, I think that might be their new strategy, where instead of losing their marker, they just leave some people open so no one's marking. Like the <laughs> instead of you know uh, <laughs> instead of losing your marker, you know, you can't lose your marker if no one's marking him. Uh, and that defense worked. It was a lot more efficient than their other defenses this season. So maybe that's something we're going to see from them. Um, set piece defending aside, uh, the defense I actually thought was really good. I think Annie Baba and Mancian are gelling a little bit more. I think Annie Baba is the person we're going to be seeing the rest of the season. Um, and I think he is coming back to the revolution next season. I, I don't know. He might be the, the, the defender on the bench as opposed to um, in the starting lineup. But overall, um, you know, the, the back line was thrown to the Wolves. And I think this game if it was played without Michael Mancian if it was played two months ago I think they can see two or three goals um, I think Mancian has really uh, impacted this defensive line really well um, just looking at the stats uh, clear- clearances Andrew Farrell 11 uh, Annie Baba 9 Mancian 14 Brandon by 10 so all across the back line they were uh, tested all night and there really weren't there were some errors <laughs> there were some uh, uh, you know <laughs> chips in the armor there uh, but uh Overall, it was a solid performance from that back line. Uh, and, you know, positive marks so far. I think Mancien has been uh, a really positive impact to this team all the way around. Yeah, and with that, let's let's jump to the Revolution's playoff chances. Um, you mentioned it earlier. Um, they actually went down a tiny bit from the results over the weekend. Um, but club sports stats, they're up from where they were certainly before this game. They were at 8.6%, um, dread, you know, dreadful number there. Now they're up to 19%, so a bit more hopeful. Um, 538, uh, they also dropped after this weekend. They're down to, they're at 16%, but they were at just 8% as well. Um, so, you know, safe to say the Revolution's playoff chances, but pretty much doubled, um, with this, this unexpected result. Um, just because I haven't said it before, the one thing we, we never, you know, really got into last week, um, was that, you know, and not to take away too much from the Revolution, was that New York City FC has also been struggling lately, despite their strong start. And I think I didn't realize how badly they were struggling going into this game and missing some guys for international duty, but they've only won once in their last eight matches. Um, so they've, you know, since Patrick Vieira left the, the club as head coach, uh, they have not been doing as well. So I, I guess you you can, you can kind of a little bit 
um, see more how the Revolution were able to to get something out of New York City FC when nobody has all season long. Um, but but with that said, you know, looking at the Revolution's upcoming schedule, looking at this result that they got that we weren't expecting, um, and their ability to get three points here, you know, should we be more optimistic now going forward that the Revolution do actually have a legitimate shot of the playoffs? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think we are optimistic, but I, I wouldn't say that I'm expecting them to make the playoffs. Um, you know, if you look at the standings, you know, they're only three points behind Montreal with a game in hand. I know they have DC right on their tail and DC has a game in hand on Revolution. So DC could pass us easily. Um, but, you know, they are right there. If, if you look at it on a very basic sense, um, you know, they, they are right there. Um, if they get a good string of results like they did last week, um, you know, it's very, very possible. They're only one upset away, really, from being right back in this playoff picture. And we were talking about it last week, um, trying to figure out how they can get 20 points. Um, well, we, we, we did not think they were getting three out of New York City FC. Um, I think we expected them, you know, they have three home games left. If they win all three of those games, that's nine right there. They won three points last week, so that's 12 right there. So, you know, if they can get six to eight from their remaining games, which will be difficult, um, you know, they're, they're in it. If they can win two of these four games on the road, uh, they're right in it. Um, Los Angeles FC is going to be very difficult. You know, th- their games are LAFC, Toronto FC, Atlanta United, and Real Salt Lake. So, you know, it's it's going to be very, very difficult to find two wins in there. Um, but, you know, if, if they get one upset and then things break their way, um, it, it is possible that they squeeze in the playoffs. But am I hopeful? No, I'm not. They've won two road games all season to expect another two road <laughs> road wins. Um, they're going to have to have some lucky bounces along the way. And and the other thing I'll say is that, you know, we, we talk about them upsetting New York City FC and they kind of played it right with the lineups um, and, and they had things kind of go their way. But New York City FC was the better team. They they just had such poor finishing. Um, the Revolution really did dodge a couple bullets uh, against NYC FC. And, and, you know, to say they, they were, I think Bradford even said that, um, you know, NYCFC was the better of the two teams. So, um, you know, this is still a team that I'm skeptical to make the playoffs, but am I more optimistic from last week when we recorded? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I think if they win one more game like this, they're right back in it. Yeah. And like you said, I'm definitely more optimistic after last week. I still don't think they're going to do it. Um, But it does look a little bit more positive when you look forward um, you know, like you said, LAFC going across country, that's going to be an extremely difficult game for them to get anything out of. They're playing really well. Um, they're not a team that's in a bit of a slump like New York City FC was. Um, so, you know, if they get three points from that game, I think everything changes. Um, but that's asking a lot. But at the same time, they're going to have 10 days rest for that one. So plenty of time to prepare. Um, you know, it, there's an opportunity there for them to do something. Um, and then after that, they play Chicago at home, which is probably their most winnable game left in the schedule. Um, well, actually, you know, they're, they're, all, all three of their home games left on the schedule are winnable. Um, so, you know, if you get those nine points and then you can get something on the road, there is, there's a chance there. Um, but doing things a little bit out of order from what we usually do, um, looking at that LAFC game, what is your expectation for that one? And, and how many lineup changes do you think we see from what we saw on Wednesday? So, um they do have long rest. I think that benefits them. But overall, I think LAFC is a much more quality team than New England right now. Um, I do think that they try to play the their their full lineup. I think if Teal Bunbury is healthy, we'll see him over Brian Wright, even though Brian Wright did impress. I, I think if he is 100%, we see him uh, starting back up top. I think Brad Friel really has played him, um, has, has started him unless there is an injury involved. So I, I would expect that to, to happen. Um, Teal's injury is not supposed to be serious, so I think giving him a week and a half off, really two weeks since his last uh, uh, game played, I, I think he'll be ready to go. Um, in terms of other changes, 
Uh, we'll see Caicedo back in there for Machado. Um, outside of that, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll also see, uh, I think we'll see Fagundes in for uh, Zahibo. I think they're going to revert back to their uh, kind of top A1 lineup uh, and, uh, you, know, you know, try to, to play their best against LAFC. Uh, and, and I think they'll probably try to play for a draw too. I, I can't imagine they're going to come out aggressive. I think they're going to play it similar to how they played it against uh, NYCFC where, uh, you know, they're, they're going to kind of play back, play a little bit behind the ball, hopefully get a counter attack and, and net one uh, and, and hope that one holds out. Um, I'm not hopeful though. Uh, you know, LAFC has only lost one game all season. Um, they are pretty sitting kind of pretty in third place right now. Um, they should make the playoffs. Hang on, I'm pulling up the, the stats right now. Um, they're six points ahead of the uh, playoff line, so they, every game is important. Um, but, you know, they, they should make the playoffs. I don't think they're in danger at all. So uh, I, I, I think they'd be hopeful for a 1-1 draw. Uh, I think LAFC is going to pull it out 2 or 3-1. to one. Yeah, and I mostly agree with you on the lineup changes. I think the back five, the goalkeeper, and the four defenders is going to certainly stay the same. I don't think they, they did anything that – well, cer- certainly they didn't do anything enough to, to justify putting any of the other guys on the bench that have been so poor and over them. Um, but then looking at the midfield, uh, I'd be absolutely shocked to see Machado get a start in this one. I think he's certainly going to the bench. Uh, Zihibo as well I think will probably go to the bench for Fagundes, so we'll probably see Caldwell, Fagundes, and Caicedo there in, in the middle. Um, Caldwell's a guy we didn't really talk about today. I thought he had a really good performance. Um, and I agree. I think Bunbury, if he's healthy and after 15 days, I would assume he would be. If he's not, that's a little bit troubling. Um, I think he'll go back up top. And then, of course, Pena and I think Roe gets another start. Um, but I'm with you. Uh, this is, again, this is going to be a different game. The field is much more <laughs> normal dimension. So I, I think that's also why the Revolution are going to go back to more of their, their normal formation. Um, but I, I, I think that the LAFC just has too much firepower and is too talented um, not to, to get three points against the Revolution. And, you know, <laughs> it's kind of be very interesting to see Lee Wynn uh, get his first appearance against the Revolution since uh, since the trade, um, and of course a, a old former Revolution player Benny Failhaber as well uh, on LAFC. So a lot of a lot of storylines to watch in that one that that I'm looking forward to. It, it would kind of be fitting if Lee Wynn uh, comes out and scores a hat trick and destroys the Revolution's playoffs. So that would be. In a, in a way fitting uh, to the 2018 New England Revolution where uh, they kind of struggle to hold possession and uh, have, have playmakers and Lee Wynn comes out because you know he is going to do everything in his power to uh, uh, to be the player of the game. I, I have a feeling he's going to be extremely motivated and he's going to show up to this game. So um, I don't know. It'll, <laughs> I hope not. I, I absolutely hope not. But um, yeah, you, there are plenty of storylines to go along with this one. Well, and I talked about this before too, but it's just funny that all the comments about you know the the work rate of of Lee Wynn and whether or not he could play in a high press, and now and now we see him for LAFC playing really as a as a two way midfielder, um, you know, not as that attacking mid, and how well he's doing there and the work rate he has there. Um, obviously, the reason he left the Revolution wasn't just you know for for not fitting the system. There's a lot more to it than that, so we can't simplify it to that. But um, certainly, his play with LAFC to me shows that he could have actually fit in this this Brad Friedel system and, and done quite well so I'm, I'm very interested to see um what happens there do we, do we have any other twitter questions that we didn't cover yet yeah we do uh lost hope legacy asks us uh friedel says the revs can still make the playoffs do you think he'll really put the best side out there for the remaining games or will he be more concerned with showcasing those he wants off the team to help get the most from those deals i, I assume that means trade value um sean what do you think they're going to be doing going forward uh with the lineups 
I mean, look, as negative as we've been about their playoff chances, they're only three points out behind Montreal Impact, and they have a game in hand. So, you know, realistically, they still have a very legitimate shot of making the playoffs, even if, you know, looking at their schedule, we're not very positive about it. Um, I fully expect Brad Friedel to continue to put out what he thinks is the, the lineup that gives the team the best chance to win, um, at least for the next few weeks. If they are to lose an LAFC and then lose at home to Chicago, um, then I think things change, and, and we do start seeing more of those you know guys he wants to showcase or guys that he wants to prove belong or don't belong on this team next year but um for the foreseeable future i think it's certainly going to be you know Frio continuing to put out what he thinks is the the best 11 and, and i'll add on to that and i agree with everything you said there but I, I think if we do go to i'll say the b team although i don't think that's really the right classification but if we we mix mix around the lineup and we play the young guys um uh, I think we see guys like Isaac Anking. Uh, I think we see guys uh, like Segbers. Um, I think we see guys who um, haven't really gotten a chance to play uh, and will be playing for their contracts. I don't necessarily think they're going to be playing for trade value. Outside of Kellen Rowe, I, I was trying to rack my mind trying to think of who would be trade bait on the Revolution. And I think Juan Agadello's contract is up at the end of the season. So I imagine he's going to leave on a, a free transfer. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of who else would be Trade bait, maybe Julianne Baba is someone who has, you know, is, is on a kind of a smaller contract, and if they're going to bring in a center back, maybe they keep De La Maya as their backup uh, and and bring in an, another big big time defender uh, to play along Mantien. Um, maybe Andrew Farrell if they really think Brandon Bay is the future at right back. Uh, I, I don't know who else would be um, trade bait. So uh, I, I think we are either going to see um, your starters or we're going to see uh, some young kids uh, come along. So that, that's my take. Yeah, I'm with you. With the exception of Roy, I don't think there is you know, many uh, many guys that are trade bait. Maybe you know Brad Knighton. I don't know if they're what they would decide to do with goalkeepers. Um, I don't think there's be much trade value there regardless. But um, you know, certainly, you know, Dielna, Somi, those aren't guys that are going to have trade value within MLS, um, no matter what you do at this point, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, Kellen Rowe, for, as we discussed before, because after next season, after 2019, he is eligible to be a free agent um, and can walk to, you know, his hometown Seattle Sounders for free and would be very appealing to any team in MLS. And um, to me, I have a hard time seeing a scenario in which the revolution convinced him to stay. Um, he's a guy that, yes, you, you know, you want to build trade value. And I think logically you you look to trade him for, for value in the offseason rather than lose him for nothing after next year. Um, but other than that, I, I agree. I don't think there's there's much of, of, any, of anyone that you're going to find trade value in. Uh, one other comment, because we, we do ask for comments, too. Uh, Jared Michael says, geez, it feels good to win. Sure does. <laughs> yeah, it, it, is, uh, <laughs> so it has long. been a very long time. <laughs> I think and, and it was it, – it, it, I was expecting NYCFC to, to tie that game, too, in the last few minutes. Those last few minutes, uh, it was very stressful. But, you know, it, when they won, it, it wasn't just a win, but it was a win where you really did not have any expectations. It was a huge win for the Revolution. So, um, I don't know, who knows? Maybe maybe this uh, momentum carries over. I mean, they went through all of July and all of August with a total of two points. So, I can I can, I can imagine as a fan what it would feel like. To, to They've already gotten more points in September than July and August combined. That's uh, yeah, That's the Revolution. And typical. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So, and uh, they did have that, what, what, what was it, two years ago, they had like that win streak towards the end of the season and they just missed out on the playoffs. Didn't they have like an eight game win streak or something like, like they, six game win streak? They have done that and, a lot over their lifetime. Usually they go on the late runs that, when they do go on a late run, it gets them to the playoffs. But I, I, I forget which year that was. But yeah, I think they did have one recently where they went on a, a you know, decent, a decent unbeaten run to end the season and just couldn't. 
couldn't quite make it. They missed on goal differential, I think it was. So yeah, maybe maybe that's the repeat of uh, this year where we have a solid win streak and then just miss out on the playoffs. We miss out uh, to Philadelphia. Philadelphia Union finish in sixth, and and we finish one point behind them, just to kind of salt in the wound since we lost all three games. <laughs> Well, we'll uh, we'll keep this episode shorter than normal since there wasn't a Saturday game, and I know we don't want to, we don't want to hammer home you know, a game that happened four or five days ago too much. Um, but it's any, also one oh three, and the Patriots are starting. So that's, let's wrap. This that's up. true. We got any any shout outs before we uh, wrap this up? Uh, just wanted to, uh, Jermaine Jones retired. Uh, I think it's just important to acknowledge uh, his impact on the 2014 team. I know after 2014 things kind of went downhill. Um, you know, I'll always remember. I, I can't remember if we were watching this game together, Sean, or if we were texting at the time, but uh, his final game as a player, a member of the revolution, uh, that playoff loss against DC United, where I think he got red carded for, I think he shoved the referee. Uh, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but I remember he was suspended six games the following season. Um, you know, uh, 2015 uh, was not the uh, best season of Jermaine Jones, but I tend to remember Jermaine Jones for the uh, 2014 World Cup uh, and with that goal against, I think it was Portugal, uh, and of course his uh, coming into New England and, and kind of leading them on that um, MLS Cup run. Uh, I, I think he had a huge impact on the team, uh, and uh, I wish him well in retirement, official retirement. I guess he's been gone for a while now. So, uh, yeah, that got to give a shout-out to Jermaine Jones. Yeah, a couple, a couple of uh, Revolution legends retiring recently with Dempsey retiring the week before. Um, and, you know, obviously he did a lot for this team and a lot for the U.S. national team. And Jermaine Jones, um, over, you know, more recently and over a shorter period, did a lot for this team and, and a lot for the national team as well. So uh, sad to see two two legends of the, the U.S. national team and two guys that had an impact on the revolution um, retiring recently. Uh, my one quick shout out is, you know, the U.S. national team played a game against Brazil on Friday. Um, I'm very excited to see them keep playing the, the young guys. They lost the game 2 nothing. It should have been one nothing because that was a ridiculous penalty kick. Um, but I thought they actually, you know, showed pretty well for such a young team. And if Pulisic had been out there, we might have seen a different result. Um, but, you know, I, I, at some point I want to go on a rant about the fact that apparently they haven't interviewed anyone for the coaching job yet. And they might only interview one guy um, because I was someone that defended them, you know, as far as waiting until after the World Cup when more guys were available. Uh, but if you wait till after the World Cup and then you end up hiring one MLS, you know, hi- hiring an MLS coach after only interviewing one guy, what the heck were you waiting for? Uh, but that's a story for another day. Uh, we want to get off to to watch the Patriots game, and uh, we won't keep this too long. Um, so thanks again to everyone for listening. Greg, quickly, do you want to give give our uh, Twitter handle out there? Yeah, we're at Revolution Recap. You can also follow me at G Johnstone Twelve, and also uh, feel free to like our Facebook page. And also, while we're at it, we always forget to do this. Feel free to give us a review. Uh, I, I think we have one five star review, and I was really excited to see we got a five star review. And I looked at it, uh, and that review is from two thousand six, Sean, when you had your old <laughs> radio show. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we we could use a couple of reviews. So uh, you know, if you uh, are, are a loyal listener and you, you listen every week, uh, feel free to you know. Give us, feel free to praise us. Well, <laughs> on whichever uh, whichever podcast app you use to listen, because we're on just about yes. all of them now. And if we're not on one of them, let us know, and we'll work to get ourselves added to that. Um, and of course, you can follow me at Sean L. Donahue. Where we'll hopefully be back next week. I know Greg and I are both uh, away for the weekend, but we're, we'll, we'll try to figure out a way to, to watch the game and and uh, get on the air or, or figure out an alternative method. But we'll keep you posted on on both Twitter and and Facebook for that. So thanks again to everyone for listening.